Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be here because we got three Davids and one Mike. Uh, welcome, Dave Marino, my partner, and Mike Mamula. Uh, but we are also excited to have another David to the dimension. It seems like we either have a bunch of lawyers or a bunch of Davids. I know for uh, discriminating against others, but uh, really excited to have um, David Cicerelli here. He's the co-founder and CEO of Voices. That's Voices.com. And we're talking about what I think is a great rebranding uh, of the number one voice over an audio service marketplace that was ever created and hopefully will be created. Uh, and as the market is growing, David, uh, I think it's essential. Why did you decide to do this rebrand of such an iconic platform as you know, growth is at its all time high? Well, for the past 15 years, uh, what we've uh, really found out is that the world is awash with videos and there's also new audio channels that are coming online. And so um, by, be it kind of podcasting, audio ads for Spotify, Clubhouse chats, Twitter spaces, there's lots of opportunity for marketers and entrepreneurs to pursue in kind of an audio first strategy. But in doing that, we realize, hey, maybe there's other complementary creative services that need to get done, right? There's a pre-production phase. Uh, as you all know, producing the show here, that often you have to write a script or maybe um, plan out what's the contents of the show going to be. And then often some prose production that could be audio editing or, or, or just at the very least know who's coming on. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, this is an extraordinary team. I have. As, long steps. As, I know, as long as I know who's coming on and how to pronounce the name, I'm fine. But I still need it. For sure. For sure. So as 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 marketers are really kind of creating all of this content. Um, we realized, hey, a couple things. The, the, the voices.com just kind of pigeonhole us in being really an uh, only a website. And we have mobile apps. We have kind of a bigger community. And really, we realized that, you know, frankly, the world's listening to what, you're, what people have to say. And so we just felt kind of this simplification was uh, really the best idea for the rebrand, both in terms of kind of the it holds in people's minds. It says what we do. It also serves as the destination. And it allows us to kind of expand into other creative categories. David, that's awesome. And, and obviously, congrats on, on, on a lot of success thus far. And, and obviously, moving and pivoting and rebranding uh, is awesome and a sign of a, a smart uh, CEO, uh, obviously, that wants to reach a new demographic and continue to keep their own demographics. But I'd like to, to dive into the beginning, because uh, obviously, you're one of the co-founders of Voices.com. Obviously, you guys, as Dave has mentioned, are the, the industry leaders in, in your space. Talk to us about the the founding of Voices.com and, and, and where you've sort of, how you guys have grown over the years. Well, like so many uh, founding stories, you know, mine does begin in childhood. Usually there's some inkling, you know, when you're a kid, you're fascinated with some aspect of life. For me, it was sound. Um, I played with record players and shortwave radios. I loved all that sound and audio tech. When it came time to uh, go to school, I found an audio engineering program. And I actually graduated from that, opened up a small recording studio of my own. And so that actually, I got my name in the local newspaper on my birthday of all days. And I actually had, uh, who's now my wife, uh, Stephanie. She was a, she's a classically trained singer. She'd sing at weddings and funerals and other special events. And her mom actually read this article and said, hey, you should get your singing repertoire recorded. And so her, she came down to the studio, chaperoned by her mother, of course, make sure it was all good. And we ended up recording together and working together. But because of that same article in the newspaper, there were other small businesses. They wanted some, a, a female voice for other uh, you know, uh, local radio commercials, some phone systems. 
And I had just met Stephanie the other day. So I said, hey, uh, do you think you could come back down to the studio? I will be the recording engineer and you can be the voice talent. And we'll split the money 50-50. So I feel like that was a pretty good deal. I married my first customer and, uh, and we started a business together, which is pretty great. And that uh, we actually ended up building kind of a, you know, pivoting, if you will, to reuse that term from that uh, recording studio and website to really inviting other freelance voice talent or freelance voice actors to come on and sign up and create an account. And then concurrently, there would be clients, mostly ad agencies, video production companies, people, brand marketers and kind of the Fortune 500 that need a voice to tell their story, right? To educate, inform or otherwise entertain their audiences. And the human voice is kind of that, that thread as well, too. So it really has just been, you know, Dave, just sticking to one, you know, niche market for all of these years and really trying to lead in the space and, you know, take all of our educational background and apply it into a professional context. And so I think we've uh, surrounded ourselves with great people and we've got some great things uh, on the horizon as well. It's awesome. David, just to expand on, on David's question and congratulations and good morning. What, so you, you did obviously what was critical in the beginning for success and set the vision, which you know, obviously we see the results of that, but now with over 2 million voiceover talent in 160 countries, just incredible. What kind of things, if any, have you encountered along the way in that growth, that explosive growth uh, that you've had to adjust to or pivot to, to continue going that you may not have seen when you set that vision early on? Well, one of the first things that comes to mind is that we actually started as a, as a domain name, interactivevoices.com, which is kind of a mouthful I'm a little out of breath even saying it myself. And it just didn't really capture the essence of what we were doing. But I think that's okay. If you're, if you're a founder or a startup entrepreneur and you just got to get a name, right? You got to get a name and a website and start marketing yourself and learn from the market itself, the customers who you're serving. So it was actually probably about, you know, three, four years later that we realized this name, Interactive Voices, is really starting to kind of limit our opportunities as just being kind of like new media, interactive media, kind of only video. When voice is a $5 billion industry spent annually on voiceovers and audio production. So kind of that preliminary idea, we had to get it to that, you know, let's call it that critical mass, which was for us 10,000 registered users, you know, that first million dollars, if you will. And then from there, we're like, is this name still working for us? And uh, I actually, you know, went on this kind of quest to rebrand. I looked at uh, back then from... Voxio and Voxy and Vox.com, I would kind of came up short on all of these and realized, well, rather than a name rebranding as a wholesale, kind of like just what we did with the voices.com down to voices. From there, I went from interactive voices to voices.com. Can we just make it simpler, snappier, maybe easier to remember? And uh, it, was a, it was a website that was actually registered um, at the time, um, registered in 1998, believe it or not, before Google itself. And wow. so we ended up acquiring that name. Um, the fellow was willing to sell it, which is great. He was just a kind of a domainer. And uh, we offered uh, $50,000. He came back. He said, yeah, you know, we, for, we, he said 50000 And we said, well, that's a little much for us. And I came back with uh, work with our lawyer to realize to never take no for an answer, which is another life lesson of mine. The guy was willing to sell the name, Voices.com. Um, I had some financial means, which was basically about 5,000 bucks a quarter, which is, I think I figured I could send them and kind of get it on a payment plan. And so you can get creative with how you finance things as well too. You don't necessarily need all the cash up front. And so for $30,000, which was 5,000 bucks every quarter for the next six quarters, we sent that check into them 
And we got to rebrand the name at that point from interactive voices to voices.com. And that was actually one of the best kind of catalysts because it just symbolized like, oh, okay, this looks and sounds like the place to go. Journalists, when they're doing their research, they were easy to kind of find us. You know, it sounded like the, the authority in the space as well, too. So that was a, that was a pivot, um, a decision, again, around rebranding. I think we ended up in a great spot. Amazing. Yeah, and David, you know what's so interesting is that, you know, a lot of people thought voice was like books, you know, or magazines. You know, they're, you know, we're dying out that it, it had to be digital to be accessible. And I think they were misguided uh, that, you know, when I was CEO of Samsung's phone division, I had a very difficult time with the biggest carriers in the world explaining that voice was data. Uh, and the voice itself, even over the original convergence devices in 1999, had a huge value add and a huge capability uh, that all other digital mediums don't have. Um, and I think that with Fireside and Clubhouse and Voices.com and all, all the different things we're starting to realize, and that's why podcasts are so popular, um, is that there's a huge value add to the voice, to audio as data though, as data, digitally done. Um, voice as data is extremely searchable, powerful, et cetera. Now, early on, did you see this same, I was in 1999, saw this problem that people aren't seeing voices data and the rebirth of voice is coming because people will see unique to anything else, including books, magazines, movies, you don't need your eyes. For sure. And that's the only reason I, I invest in you. I invest in the space so heavily is think about how much more we can do if we don't have to use our eyes because we now can use our eyes for something else while we're still getting that it's refocusing at its best. Did you see that or where has that evolved for you and the industry understanding voices data? There's an entire segment of the global population that learns best by listening, right? And often marketers, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have over 500 audiobooks on my iPhone. I listen to them over and over. I have tons of podcasts. I'm probably to the chagrin of the family, you know, always got the iPod, uh, AirPods in the ears, do on the walk with the dog, you know, the well, car. I got to interrupt too one more time. Yeah. You know, I'm an audio guy and, yeah. uh, you know, my playbook, the podcast, way more people even listen to me, so they must have a resonant. But don't forget the advantage of only one iPod, one earpiece. Yeah. Right. So, like, I'm with my family a lot of times and I keep them to my left because I can refocus, which is a practice of mine, on their conversation and participate and still listen to my audiobook or favorite <laughs> podcast. Oh, people want to learn on the go as well, too. I mean, years ago, Brian Tracy called the car the university on wheels. I love that. I mean, I'm always listening to audiobooks in the car. I'm listening to, you know, not just news, weather and sports, but actually trying to even if it's like a LinkedIn learning course where it's a video or YouTube, you know, where it's video. I'm actually just listening to the audio track of that, um, which is which is pretty cool. But listen, advertisers, they've saturated the eyes. And it's time to move on to the ears. Smart marketers are going to be moving on to the ears because they realize, hey, I can go deeper on this. It's not a six second clip that people want to skip through, right? People want to listen to audio podcasts. The optimal time is somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. Now, why is that? Because it's the time that you take for the commute. It's time on a subway a train. It's time that you're probably walking the dog or doing a morning routine. So I think people are just kind of utilizing that otherwise idle time and idle space to actually go deeper with the brands that they really love. 
Yeah, ears and eyes don't need to be utilized on the same focal point. And uh, it's a huge value of what you do. Man, we'll have to have you back on some other shows, David. What you're doing is incredible. David Cicerelli, Voices.com, rebranded Voices.com, the world's number one voiceover and audio service marketplace. Uh, thank you so much. If you are not diving into voice, you're missing out on at least half the opportunities in the space. Thanks for joining us, David. Great to be here. Thanks, guys. Awesome, Thanks, David. Okay. Whew, the next person is not David, so we'll bring Tim on. <laughs> we won't hold that against him. But his name is related to uh, audio because his last name's Ringle. So we got a ring, the Ringle here. Uh, so everybody listen up. We're ringing him. Tim Ringle, global CEO yeah. of Meet the People, meet-the-people.com. Hey, we've got, we've got Jake, Carl second, right now. Jake Carls. Sorry. Jake how you so doing? Jake squares. It looks like. Hey, so well, let me. Sorry, Jake. I, I, apo I apologize. Uh, one, once again, just showing you as we were talking with voiceovers.com, uh, as I dumb, dumbly just read my notes uh, in the wrong order. Did you guys get the same notes that I did just in illuminating the issue? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not completely off. Nope. No. I, so I, I have my notes up. Obviously, I'm not looking at Jake because I, I know Jake and. Uh, Huge fan. In fact, I beg him for free midday squares every chance I can. Um, I'm going to start because uh, Jake is the co-founder of Midday Squares. Uh, it's something that I use every day, middaysquares.com. And uh, the best thing I can say for credibility, Jake, is that I have the world's greatest optimal health coach. Uh, it's the, the MBA's optimal health coach. They, they uh, nutrition, it's it's optimal health for LeBron. James, I mean, the guys, right? And so, uh, I have to get all of my snacks approved, all of my food approved, like it's on the optimal health approval list, right? And they had never heard of midday squares, and I sent it over to get analyzed uh, by the doctors, and uh, they're they're always like super skeptical, right? They're like, Dave, you can't do that. You know, we have a better bar. You know, we have this, we have that. And, you know, you, you don't know what's in these things. So they scientifically do this to, to your product. And, <laughs> you know, it was so awesome because they came back and said, hey, can we get. I think we lost, I think we lost him, no? We lost him. He's frozen. Frozen for yeah. a second. We might have lost him. So, okay, Jake, good morning. Following up, so tell us a little bit about midday because I'm not familiar. I'm looking forward to it. Read the notes and with Dave speaking about them the way he is, love to try them. So yeah, dude, it's well. First of all, nice to meet both of you. Um, yeah, Dave is a big fan, and you know I became friends with one of his colleagues, Jake, and um, basically we started selling the bars, and we basically took a chocolate bar, like a real chocolate bar, dark chocolate made with cocoa butter, not palm kernel oil and stuff like that, yeah. and then had a baby with a protein bar, but got rid of all the chalky taste, the junk, the artificial flavors, the preservatives, the additives. And we made it a functional chocolate bar. So people would have it like mid, we called it midday squares because they would have it midday and it would just carry them right through the afternoon from both a satiation standpoint, but also from an energy standpoint. And the thing about it is we use real food ingredients. We don't use any of the artificials. So it became a product that was something very popular in the food space because it was on both, it was basically a hybrid of both extremes. And um, no one was doing it, which is weird. And, you know, if you look at the space, you think it's so saturated. But when you go really in, it was a white space for us. And we ended up launching three years ago. Now we became one of the fastest growing in the set in Canada and now hopefully in the U.S. this year. But 
Um, I think you guys, if you guys like dark chocolate, you're going to love it. 100%. Love it. My wife loves it. Go ahead, Dave. I know you want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love dark chocolate and I definitely want to check it out. And we definitely have a Canadian theme going on uh, today yeah. with you, you and David. Uh, so that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. So I want to, I want to make a Willy Wonka reference because uh, obviously you refer to yourself as the modern day Willy Wonka, which means my boy Jake definitely has the golden ticket. Um, yeah. Where, where does that reference come from? Obviously, you're in the chocolate business. I know you're a rainmaker in, in our space, being lawyers. You know, rainmakers means a lot different. What does it mean in your space? And yeah. what tips yeah. do you have for folks that are starting companies to be rainmakers? So I think, so first of all, modern day Willy Wonka, the reason why we use that is because we built our own chocolate factory. And a lot of food companies don't build their own factories because they just go to a co-manufacturer, a co-packer, right? So we actually had no choice of necessity to build it. So I'm sitting in the factory right now, but it's, it's behind me, sorry, in front of me. Um, and when you guys come to Montreal, you'll see it. It's a huge, like the pipes are chocolate. It's, it's really cool. And Rainmaker, I think every CPG company going forward needs one because a rainmaker doesn't get involved in the ops. So their mind isn't focused on the operations of the business where you have all the, in my opinion, the stressful things, the stuff that, you know, you have to do the margins, the this, the that, the supply chain. I get to focus on just relationship building and networking for the company. So I bring in relationships from retailers, buyers, investors, potential investors, um, journalists, and it allows me to just focus 100% of my time on that, which I don't need to worry about any depressing stuff or sad stuff that's going on with the actual stuff like supply chain crisis right now. It's obviously something that's going on in, in every industry. I don't need to focus on that. So I don't worry about that. And I just go bring in as many relationships I believe are worth it for the company. And then I bring them to the right department, kind of like air traffic control does for an airport. That's all I do is I traffic the people to the right departments and then they execute. Nice. Jake, you, you use two words that kind of like check the box for me you said functional with regard to the chocolate bar and then you said real ingredients which i wanted to go back to two of those because incredibly important like david was talking about when we're looking for optimal health so many people today just eat what's convenient reach and grab and don't look at the ingredients don't realize that food is our source of nutrition that really is that important what do you mean with regard to it being functional and using those real ingredients because i mean i can't wait to taste it so first of all, our products live in the fridge, so we can't, they can't be out of the fridge. The preservative is the refrigeration aspect. We don't use anything to keep the flavor profile, the natural flavors, stuff like that. From a functional standpoint, we wanted to have just more than a chocolate bar. So I think when you have a chocolate bar, you think of indulgence. That's super important. But what if you had indulgence but also kept you full and actually gave you natural boosts of energy? That was the functional part, which we we have superfoods like Yakon, Syrup, Maca, Sacha Inchi in the product, which are really good for you. People don't know really what they are, which is a bit of an educational piece for us. But um, yeah, and then real food ingredients was something that we believe that the space needs more of. The food space needs more yeah. brands that use real foods and not the chemicals that, you know, you don't even know what they are. And you have to Google. And like Dave said earlier, his coach or his, his, his scientists there, they won't approve a lot of bars because the bars use all these natural flavors or preservatives, which could categorize as thousands of ingredients, right? And um, we really wanted to do something that tasted good, number one, but also gave you those benefits that, you know, you don't usually get from, from stuff with artificial stuff. Yeah, I mean, the only negative that I see about the bars, they're so popular that I can't get more free ones in time after I eat through them all. <laughs> it's coming uh, next week. It's coming okay, next okay, week. next week. Wait, what about this week? I'm in the islands in the midday squares. I'm starving. I, uh, I anyway, <laughs> I actually got hangry at my wife and I blamed you. Uh, she's like, why are you so agitated? And you've been so calm the last you know, year. I'm like, oh, I don't have my midday square. She's like, well, you better call Jake. I was like, I okay, I'll get, I'll get on it. Anyway, um, you know, one of the things that you're experiencing as well is you got some great support from 
your Canadian government, the you know economic development side of what we do in Canada uh, to build companies like yours and allow you to exceed the expectations of the population. But you know there comes a point where success leaks into the South, uh, the warmer weather, and uh, where things can get really crazy. What are the biggest challenges when you have a successful Canadian company with such a strong demand with, you know, crazy people like David Meltzer begging for the product? You know, what's the biggest challenge for you to get the distribution into the United States to meet the demand? So being in Quebec, Quebec's a very unique place in Canada. It's, they run almost independently, more or less, I would say. We've worked with the government to fund our manufacturing purchases. So they fund all purchasing from machinery up to $150 million, which is really exciting. It's debt, but it's very inexpensive debt. So they support us on that front. But for a lot of Canadian companies, it's very hard to win in the United States because the CapEx of business it takes to hire the people to get the, the product from freight wise down there. So for us, you know, even building our second plant, we're already speaking with U.S. governments, state governments such as Missouri, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oklahoma to actually figure out what, where we can build a food manufacturing plant where we can get the incentives because they're very expensive to build. It's not just a million dollars. It's, it's, it's many millions of dollars to build these food plants and staff them, right? Um, so our biggest challenge right now will probably be to not take on too much distribution, actually. So meaning, you know, we get a lot of calls from big retailers in the U.S. and we don't want to go nationally because the U.S. is 300 plus million people. Canada's 30 million people. Very big difference, right? We can control the growth here. Being a fresh product that lasts 90 days only on the shelf, we need to be sure what retailers we go into with the support we can get from a marketing standpoint. So for us, you know, we don't want to go add 10,000 doors next year in the US. We're going to add only 1,700 maybe because that's what we could support from a marketing and trial standpoint. Nothing more than that. So I think the hard part is going to be blocking out the noise. Um, that's going to come and, you know, being an exciting brand, like, you know, you've experienced it's, it, it's hard, you know, it's hard to say no to money more or less, but, um, you know, it's better for the business because you shoot yourself in the foot when a product gets an expired product, when a consumer gets an expired product on the shelf, right? That hurts. Yeah. Perishables are dangerous, but they also are extremely profitable. Uh, David. Jake, I, I love how intentional you are about growth. And, and that says a lot, obviously about, about you and, and, and this, this, this product and your company. I want to go back to, to Willy Wonka for a second because one one other no it's your favorite movie. It is actually my favorite childhood movie. All yeah. of the remakes and everything were crazy, but that was one of my favorite childhood movies. Gene Wilder's my man. <laughs> yeah, awesome. We're one of the ourselves. interesting subplots about that movie in business wise is obviously they they are generating revenue several different ways off of the same product essentially by opening up the factory for tours and, and coke obviously does the same thing uh, i know you guys are up in quebec in montreal great city my favorite place to road trip from new york is that part of the business model and if not do you see that as something that you guys will grow into as you enter into new markets i think for the first this is version one plant so it's a bit scrappy in the sense where it is our trade secret we you know we did go to co-packers to be transparent with you before we started, you know, to see if they can make this bar because, you know, taking off that stress of manufacturing is something that is pretty, pretty good for a food company. You just got to focus on marketing and sales. They, none of them were able to make it. So for us, we went and built these machines ourselves, obviously not ourselves with engineers, but they built it custom made. So right now we're the only, only group in the world, us that we know has this line in, in, in the world. And I think that that's a trade secret that we need to hold as long as we can. Um, so people, no one really enters our plant other than, you know, people that are either invest in the company or have, 
to fix the machinery or stuff like that. So we keep it very secretive. However, we do have people come to the office and because we're such a family driven company and excited and, you know, we love media, we bring them in for kind of like a tour, but not actually a tour. We don't charge for it. Um, but the wall behind in front of me is full of signatures of, I think like 2000 people that have come through the doors. And um, so we create the, the brand experience to get bigger and bigger. And the manufacturing also allows us to tell a great story, right? Because there's so much drama and you guys know storytelling really well, all of you is it's super important. The manufacturing gives us a piece of storytelling that, that most food companies won't be able to access because we could talk about the hardships of it. We could talk about the successes of it. You know, we could do all that stuff and we could film it, right? The problem is, is a lot of other companies don't have access to that because they can't go into their co-packer facilities. Really excited, Jake. I'm, I'm here down in Puerto Rico and it's blockchain week and I'm surrounded with uh, individuals who are doing great things uh, with blockchain and the metaverse and NFTs. And all I keep thinking as you're talking is, yeah, it's a great road trip from Quebec. But man, what if in the metaverse you build out the factory and we can go in and we can see everything and get chocolate and all of that stuff. So I'm in if you are. Um, That's is cool. that, what's that? Is that something really that you cool. thought about and or thinking about exploring? I would be, we would be willing to explore. I never thought, I think it's really cool to give an, op, I guess, another view that isn't the physical view of the stuff, but giving our community that we're building an opportunity to go and visit it, right? Yeah. So manufacturing costs are so low, which is great. Well, thank, <laughs> thank you, Jake, for coming on, man. We now have answered the lifelong question of who can make a sunrise? <laughs> Sprinkle it with dew. You got it, Jake Carls can he's the candy man making the midday squares for your man right here don't give it to these guys first keep me first on your list midday squares are incredible proven by the optimal health system uh which is utilized for major sports so these guys know what they're talking about we didn't even talk about the fiber if you're over 50 you know what i mean thanks so much jake i look forward to seeing you your next trip to california take care guys thank you Thanks, Dave, can Frank. I just highlight one thing that you just you just really highlighted? abilities? No, yeah, right. that's the power of giving stuff for free. If you give guys like Dave Meltzer free product, he just gave Jake millions of dollars worth of marketing yeah. by talking about how great the product is, right? Think about it. Advantage of giving me stuff for free is not only do I appreciate it, but <laughs> if it sucks, I won't tell people it sucks. I only talk about good things because I'm a positive person by nature. Go. Exactly. All right. Well, you know, I, I'm hoping that my team gets a little better, giving me uh, the prep that we have, because I'm not sure Tim's here. If, if he is, Matt, give me a thumbs up. He He's canceling. Come, come on to join us, Matt. Show yourself right here. Give us, give us Matt. You're, we're so proud of what's going on here. Matt, what's going on with Tim? Tim canceled in the middle of that first guest. So we had oh, to have Jake come the on. Notes right? were right. It's it's we didn't communicate that Tim canceled to me. Is that what is going on? Tried sending a text. I don't know if, if you received it though. Oh, I see how it works. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome always to come on the show, even if you're wearing a Dallas hat and, and help us out a little bit. All right. That makes it easy for me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to do takeaway for the day because we have BYOQ training today on Clubhouse, IG, TikTok, and of course, over 50,000 people registered. Are you kidding me? For the free training every Friday. It is Friday. I'm down at what they've dubbed Meltzer Island. It's really Buck Island, a private island for a mastermind that we're having an incredible time with. So uh, who wants to go first between my two brothers? I got it. I got you it. You got it. Go, Mikey. It's very clear for me listening to David and, and listening to Jake. It's And it's consistent when, with everyone we, we spoke to on Office Hours, which is on Bloomberg TV tonight. Little shameless plug. Jump on there. 
But you look at the people who are great at what they do in life, and it's not because they're pursuing the paper. They're pursuing their passion. And to make sure that you do that, because you will be successful if you're pursuing your passion and you're doing what you love. I think that's well said, Mikey. I'm I'm very jealous of both of you guys. Both of you guys being island boys this week. Wow, I'm a island boy. <laughs> I love boy. it. Yeah, but uh, mine is is super duper clear from speaking to our two Canadian friends here, uh, David and Jake. Uh, it's it's and I know I've said this before, but they are so intentional uh, with the way they've built their companies, especially, uh, Jake talking about, look, I'm a rainmaker. And to me, that means I'm focusing on everything, marketing and making, making money and not on the supply chain and everything like that. I think it makes sense sometimes to, to really zoom in to what you're great at and amplify from there and put folks in roles to win. Yeah. Yeah. The, the absolutely resonated with me as well. I think, to that point, you know, the Shakespearean revival that I always talk about and the first component of it from Shakespeare is to thine own self be true. When everybody was diminishing the capacity of voice, when everybody was utilizing co-packers, here are two great entrepreneurs uh, that utilize their own voice, no pun intended for the other David, uh, but they did. They, they utilize what was the best of itself the potential that it had would have been limited if they did try to collaborate into video and, you know, change your business to meet everybody's expectations. The popular vote uh, voices.com would not be in existence if they became voices in video.com. Uh, and as we know, midday squares would probably have not even passed the uh, approval of the optimal health guys uh, that I utilize uh, Doug Grant, in particular, uh, the MBA's personal consultant uh, to being optimal in your health. Uh, it wouldn't have been close if they used a co-packer and, and standardized machines, which is why I had such skepticism through the optimal health guys when I brought it to them because they figured they're using a co-packer. Anyone using a co-packer is not going to be best of breed. And here they made the investment. They took the risk to build their own mechanism, whether it's for voiceover or audio services or whether it was for optimal health with midday squares. That's my takeaway for the day. I want to also thank Mike for the shameless plug. Office Hours is the first late night entrepreneurial show starring Mike Mamula, Dave Marino, myself, and just amazing guests, world renowned from, you know, if, you, if you've seen it, it's, you know, from Tillman Fertitta to Cameron Diaz to Apollo Ono to Clinton Sparks, who just had a baby, shout out to him. Uh, you, you, there's so many great people on, you know, like Letterman and, and all the greats. Uh, we have all caliber guests and it's the first late night entrepreneurial show on Bloomberg, 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. Check it out. We got some exciting news as the season unwinds for season three of Two Minute Drill and season two of Office Hours. These shows aren't going anywhere. They're just getting bigger and better. You'll catch them at the airports. Those are launching right now. You'll see them at your gate, be able to watch these shows, but even bigger news is coming. And I want to thank it would not be possible without my two partners, the NFT expert, the blockchain boy himself, Island boy, Mike Mamola, and my identical twin, David, my friend. We are soulmates. He's my mini miles. That's my boy, Dave Marino. Come join me on training. We're going to start that in about 27 minutes uh, at uh, which would be 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern time, 10 a.m. Island time, right, Mike? 10 a.m. Yes. Island time. Come join us. Free <laughs> training. You can reach us everywhere. Please 
Guys, I will see you in about 27 minutes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. It's that simple. Come join me. Free Friday training. Over 50,000 people registered. Don't miss it. It's BYOQ. You bring me the questions. You get one-on-one height seat coaching from me personally for an hour Q&A. You bring the questions. I'll bring the answers. Just email me. I got a 14-day gratitude challenge. You want to change your life? David at dmeltzer.com. David at dmeltzer.com. Join me for a 14-day gratitude challenge. 0.1 seconds. Change your life by saying thank you. I will challenge you to be your best. Most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Thanks so much.